Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. What are you drinking, Delmar? Um, some cool, refreshing, exciting water. What about you? Pure Life Nestle. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, baby. My beverage of choice is, of course, Coastline Cafe. Drum roaster coffee. Beautiful. Coffee and water. That's how we roll today. No bubblies. No soda pop. Mm-mm. Just the good stuff. The tried and true. <laughs> tried and true coffee and water. Oh, it's so good. Well, welcome everyone who's listening to the podcast from obviously Coastline Church, specifically for young adults, though. You're here. It's messages and beverages. I'm here with Delmar, our resident scholar, philosopher, um, all-around good guy, friend. And we're just here to chat. We have some things we're chatting about, some things we're excited about. First and foremost, who you cheered for in the World Cup, Delmar. This is a big deal. World Cup, I hear you and Aubrey are like really into this. Well, I mean, given the fact that we don't watch a lot of sports, comparatively, we are very into this. Right. I, so <laughs> definitely was Canada and was Mexico. Yes. Um. Now watching they were, which, but they were in the same group, weren't they? No, they weren't. Oh, okay. yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're wrong. <laughs> now, given the fact that Morocco beat Spain today, mm. I would love to see a huge upset and just watch Morocco take everyone <laughs> down. That yeah. That would make me the happiest there was a funny joke mentioned today in our service planning meeting as we were thinking about sunday and moving ahead the world cup final i believe is on december 18th Mm -hmm. which is a sunday which in the church calendar we call christmas sunday Mm -hmm. because it's always what sunday is before christmas eve and we are we're aware that brazil might very easily (laughs) make it to that world cup final And we have an incredible, amazing community of Brazilians who, if we're being honest, probably make up half the worship team right now. <laughs> and so if you get to Christmas Sunday and there's only Luke Stones with an acoustic guitar, we know it's happened. because Brazil made the World Cup <laughs> final. <laughs> so, which is awesome. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of cheering for Argentina a little tiny oh, bit. Okay. I know. I'm sorry, no, Brazil. No, no, no. I'm sorry because Messi, but I think also I'm an England guy. So I kind of hope England goes far. I want France to win. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't like them. Is that bad to say? I don't. It's very classic to say. Is as it? somebody who supports England for freaking sure. Right. <laughs> I also, I've heard, I've never been to Paris. I've heard it's like a lot of mean people. <laughs> like Parisians, I feel like have that. Is that true? You're from Paris? Like oh, not, not nice? I don't have know. Have you been? I have. I've, I've gotten to go a couple of times. To Paris? Yep. Oh, yeah, so you're just there. Yeah, yeah. With my wife. How were the people? The... Be I mean, honest. Don't lie. Okay. Um, my experience, like, was very generally positive. Um, He's lying, everyone. <laughs> you can't see his no, uh, What's it? Um, I know that the stereotype is that they're, like, standoffish and snobby. And you can kind of sense a little bit of that. But I think that, um, well, I don't know. My experience 
they were was that they were su- i was surprised at how helpful and kind they were like genuinely we had people who would like stop without us asking them for help they would like see that we didn't know what we were doing like right. when we were trying to figure out the metro or something yeah. and they would just like stop and like without going into a like hey do you need some help they right. would just like stop and very straightforwardly go like hey what do you need right and then point us in the right direction and go like see you later Really? Which was awesome. Yeah. It's funny. Well, there you go. There's a classic stereotype and not all, you know, the shoe doesn't fit off your feet. But, so I totally get it. But mm-hmm. that is interesting. I've heard, I just recently heard from someone else who was there on his honeymoon and he was like <laughs> co- the complete opposite. Now, oh, no. now, generally speaking, this guy already though is, you know, he's, he's a funny guy, but I, I trust his opinion. So I, I also trust yours. Mm-hmm. So now, now I feel like I have to go for myself one day. Oh yeah. Know? We'll go one day. I promise. <laughs> Delmar, we just came out of a series called Fear Not. Obviously yeah. moving into Christmas. Um, Without being too deep and, and retrospective, if you will, um, that series was important for me. I, I told the group uh, at the six, at least, how that series was designed for them, like mm-hmm. or with them in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was excited to talk about something that is generally just said as if it's not a big deal, but hopefully we could actually unpack it and have some moments with the Lord in it. Mm-hmm. I've heard great testimony from that. I wonder if there's anything i just i'm wondering just curious from your insight of how that series spoke to you maybe um even just generally speaking about fear itself like what are some steps forward you've taken in your own journey um obviously any tools you would give to our friends and community at the uh, from the excuse me from coastline young adults like how what did you take from that and what would you give to someone if you were kind of recapping for us something that god spoke to you in man awesome question um yeah, yeah to to like be brief about it this is absolutely um something that i have found over the course of this last year pretty generally and i think god really like pinpointed it and was speaking to me about it over the course of the last like three or four months mm-hmm. a fair amount and so having this sermon series come out in the time that it did was it just felt pretty like pretty relevant and pretty uh clear and it really felt like the lord was just doing what he does speaking to our community about the same things gathering us on the same page um i have found that over the course of these few months um the biggest thing for me has been something that was established a little bit before god had been speaking to me about prayer Mm. and had led me to some resources that gave me a like helpful breakdown not only of like um, why we pray and some of its relevance and importance in our daily lives, but specifically giving some practical rhythms that I have been spending. Basically, it has been just about a year doing the same daily uh, prayer practice every morning. Um, and I think that was something that was really important to lead me to a place to even think about fear because it created a space where it was that was intimate time you know and like the more time i find myself spending an intimate time with god the more i find that that like relational ground between us feels more secure and more firm and the more firm and secure that feels the more i feel like i am able to tackle difficult issues in my life right and a huge one of those is fear yeah and i think yeah for those who don't know we have a really cool I want to call it like a mini revival, yeah. but it not not a mini revival because um, it's something that's always, ever since I've worked here, which is over 12 years, every lead pastor, um, Ron and Andy, I've always seen a heart of prayer. 
mm. a burden of prayer. And it's really picked up, I think, in the last little while. For those who don't know, you can join us at 12 o'clock on Tuesdays. Our whole church prays, staff, and anyone who's welcome. Yeah. Um, but there's two things I really picked up, even from studying Joshua a lot. And we only did six chapters, if that. And there's many more. Mm-hmm. But it was like the Lord, excuse me, Joshua heard from the Lord. You'd always get this piece, and then we'd have story, mm-hmm. and then we'd have context. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I think just the amount of obedience, right? And obedience was kind of this basically it was the theme it wasn't really it was a series on fear but it was a series about obedience on fear but about obedience mm. and i think you're right delmar like just to speak to what you're saying joshua was in this high intimate relational moment place with with the lord and you're right like it totally gave him a foundation to face whatever was difficult mm. um do you think like his prayer has do you, would you say from like day you met jesus to now you're how does a prayer life just evolve? Because I think we skip over the basics a lot mm-hmm. and we assume people know. But at the same time, is there one thing you would tell someone? Is it just the daily rhythm that you would say if you really want that grounding? Like, I think sometimes, can I be honest? I think sometimes we're almost too nice when it's like, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Just pray to the Lord. No, what's like one thing that you could give a young adult right now that's going to help them create that foundation that you're talking about? Man, yeah, great question. Um, I think it's tough because it feels like it. there's so much that's wrapped up in when you're talking about like spiritual development and just like maturing as a, as a son or a daughter in Christ. Um, it feels like it's all this giant web and you kind of touch on one and it like on one part and it just reverberates through all these other things. So talking about really isolated things becomes a little bit difficult because it, all of it matters. Yeah, that's true. And so focusing on prayer though, I, for me very recently, one of the biggest, one of the biggest things has been incorporating a time of silence where before I pray, before I bring what I have in me, my thoughts, my desires, the like to God, I stand before him in silence and I ask him to speak to me and I take that time to listen. And it's often it's often a time where it feels like you're just watching your mind kind of run mm. and race a little bit, mm. which I think even in and of itself is pretty helpful. Um, even just to see, to take those like 10 minutes a day to notice that that's what goes on in my mind when it's left unchecked. Um, and one, how, how has this gone? That's often what it's like. Um, but it has been so cool to just like let the penny drop and to just kind of like coming back to obedience to be perfectly frank. That's been, in, that has been a large part of this. Mm-hmm. Like it isn't something that I find myself really like reaping the rewards in an immediate sense, but ov- over the course of time, yep. just like staying true to it, abiding by it and taking that time. The biggest thing that I think God has spoken to me through that has been me realizing that I, when I am looking to listen to what God is saying to me, I will often like kind of start to imagine what I think he might be saying and I'll be quick to take words that I think he might be saying and kind of put them in his mouth and go like, is that what you're trying to say? Okay, cool, you know? Mm. But when I just take the time to stop, it puts me in the position where I have to, I notice myself doing that stuff and then I have to recognize like how much of this is me putting words in God's mouth and how much Mm. of this is me genuinely letting him speak 
his own words to me. Right. Um, Don't finish God's sentences. Yeah, exactly. Like, which I, I'm bad for. I'm, or, or, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Me and Trina were not fighting. We never fight. Um, she was reminding me <laughs> that like I'll often almost lead Georgia where I'm like, oh, you, you don't feel good? Is your tummy hurting because of because this happened? And she's like, yeah, yeah, because that happened. I'm not hungry anymore. Mm. She's like, no, we have no idea. No, because then I'm like, okay, actually, Georgia, just tell me why. And she's like, no, you're right. It's that. And then and it's true. Like we almost we almost kind of put words in God's mouth. And, oh, you're leading me here. Oh, okay. Mm. He's like, well, maybe, right? Maybe. Totally, maybe. But but also like to the silence to wait, to wait again, and then mm. make sure he's like you've given that space. I think is really key. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. And something about obedience too. For those who don't miss that, if you're listening, like you don't go to the gym once and get. Yeah, like you don't. There's nothing in this world that's instant. Maybe fast food, but that's not. You know what I mean? Like, and especially in our faith. Absolutely. One thing in the series we talked about. That's a lie. We didn't talk about it. I referenced it quickly to make sure people Mm -hmm. knew I wasn't skipping over it, but to, but to give it a little more time. And I just want to say a few things on it, and then maybe you can even respond to to some of this, Delmar, with your infinite wisdom. Oh, Uh, (laughs) jeez. Is this idea that God would allow genocide? Um, that's just been one of those questions. It's one of, I wouldn't know if it's the biggest one, but it's definitely a, a question that comes up for people. Um, there's always been this piece specifically when you read Joshua and the people of Jericho and the Bible says things like not a single person was left, um, or, um, every single one was taken, whatever it may be. And it just feels very like, Whoa, Mm -hmm. if I'm reading what I think I'm reading, it looks like God just allowed the Israelites to rush into Jericho and they literally killed all, took all except the gold, which went to like the temple. It mm. seems a little bit intense. And so then we come into this question of how can God be all loving and yet allow something like this? Mm. Or we, or even for some people, they, they picture Old Testament God mm. mean and grouchy, and grinchy, if you will. And you have New Testament loving Jesus and how can they be the same? So I think just to kind of clear the air, just to bring more nuance to the conversation, I hope everyone knows I don't like doing that. I would always want to take something and unpack it in its fullness. I just don't ever want you guys to think I'm skipping past stuff. I get the real hard questions. I get them because I have them. And uh, and it's not something we're skipping by. So one thing actually, Delmar, you and I were even talking about this is, mm-hmm. firstly, um, just to understand the biblical record, um, for 400 years, the Canaanites were actually given warnings, if you will. They were made aware that what they were doing was incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, by no means are these people just like happy, wonderful humans who didn't deserve this. They consistently had very bad sexual ethics with young. They practiced child sacrifice mm-hmm. for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. There was warnings. There was conversations. There was. They knew that this was incorrect, immoral behavior, and they continued to perpetuate it, perpetuate it, perpetuate it. And God actually continued to like allow mercy and grace and say, okay, okay. But you have to understand, and this is something we don't love, because we love the idea that God is love. We love that. Mm-hmm. Of course he is. God is peace. Wonderful. <laughs> Counsel. Almighty God. The ever- like we love those pieces of who God is. We don't like God is judge. And you can't have a loving God who does not also have morality that says this is right and this is wrong. Yeah. And so is God loving if he continues to allow the Canaanites to practice child sacrifice? Is God just? We lo- we want God of justice. 
mm-hmm. right? We want him to fight for the the refuge. We want him mm-hmm. to fight for the the person who is coming over and and who's fleeing from a, a country maybe that is that is torn by war. We want that. But how can God stand before us and say, "I am just"? if he allows behaviors to continue to go on you know and so there's pieces of this i think don't allow your mind to go to one attribute of god to make up all of who god is Mm -hmm. i think that's a really big piece that we don't like god is judge god is loving god is peace god is father he is these things but he god is not just only and only for you god is for him he he will he will be worshipped he is holy yeah he is it like there is reverence there, yeah. and I think sometimes we've allowed our view that God is love help shape context in Scripture for us, when in fact it's such a bigger picture. So one, the Canaanites were warned; they had multiple opportunities to turn from their wicked ways. God could no longer allow that to happen. I I want to just say scripturally too, and you can jump in if you feel like you need to, but I just want to pack this a little bit. Sure. I have come to the belief, and this may challenge some people, that what they are suggesting and what is written in Joshua is hyperbole. There is some hyperbolic nature in that writing because earlier we read that everyone was destroyed and then later we read the Israelites warning the Canaanites not to intermarry. And so we do see what I think is uh, chronological that clearly there were some children and women and, and even men, I believe, to be left. And so the fact that every single person was gone, we know that's firstly not true because Rahab was spared. Praise God, obedience. But secondly, I do think there is some hyperbolic nature in the writing in there. Um, I think Tim Mackey does a really good job unpacking that. You can read that in the Bible Project. I think he's accurate there. I've looked in some other sources. So that's just some of the thoughts I want to let people know. One, I think it's some hyperbole. Two, I don't think it's all. I think for sure what they're saying is accurate. Mm-hmm. I think God far warned them, showed them grace and mercy, and finally had to also be all that he is, just and moral. And just to unpack it one last moment, and then Delmark, please jump in. I want to say, ask yourself this. Um, if we believe that God is love, who gets to determine that? Hmm. Who gets to determine what love is? Absolutely. And, and 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 because love and morality, I think, are more linked than we want to give it credit to. And I heard it recently. I, I don't know where I heard it. We are right now not in a battle for love or for truth. We're in a battle for definitions. Hmm. Definitions and timing. Hmm. And I just think that is a really dangerous business to be in. So just to give you guys more context into that. And listen... There's books written about this, massive books about all these pieces. If you're looking for more resources, we might actually, maybe I'll put some in the description here of places you can read more about this stuff. I'm just repeating information, but I do think to not to not grow weary in, in, in questions like this, God has has answers to them. There's more context there hmm. and to actually find some, some, I think just some ground to say, oh, I, I get it now. I see it. Any thoughts on that? I just think, or even in, like, dude, you're a theological student. Like if you have any more, please jump in. Um, I mean, I think the, like, the definition of love for sure is one that is so key. And I think, like, I think that it doesn't take a whole lot of reading certain portions of scripture to see the way that they talk about love and to let that be a bit of a challenge to the way that we see often see and understand love ourselves Mm. and i think one of those things even is like i've been thinking a little bit about some of the stuff recently um and thinking about how like i think it's in the proverbs um and in the wisdom literature generally but right there are people who are spoken of as um those who love wisdom and those who love foolishness right Mm. or falsehood and 
Interesting. If we approach loving falsehood from a generally kind of contemporary approach to love, which is really like highlighting the like the softness, the like emotions, the um, just very general acceptance. Right. You know, I don't see how that leaves a lot of room for understanding what it is to love something like falsehood. And I think that even just reading that puts us in the position of being challenged to understand our own lives through our actions and through the way that we interact with other people in the world yeah, around us, right, right? right? Which means that one way or another, we are loving beings and we get to decide what it is that we love. And we yeah. can see that not just in our own feelings that exist within ourselves in ambiguous ways that we get to interpret according to often enough the way that we just like and want to. Yeah but it's also something that we see in the way that we treat other people. And as soon as we start talking about treating other people, I think this has to connect to stuff like healthy relational emotional boundaries, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if we are gonna start talking about what it means to love other people, boundaries have to come into play in a significant way. And I think that is a very personal and important parallel that kind of comes alongside these biblical conversations of these bigger situations. Do you think, I mean, I love what you're saying. And I think, I think we're linking the context of that part of that series to, and I want to ask you another question of like love and morality, loving right mm -hmm. and wrong, because it's like, well, God shouldn't have killed them. Mm. Okay. So is he being, so by that he's being loving, but is he being just, well, no. So, so, so what do you want a God that's right? Or do you want a God that's only loving? Because in that case, he's only half of who he is. Mm. And we were actually, there is like a, comp, there's like a philosophical question with all this. Mm. And what I want to ask you, as we bring that whole idea of morality and love, how they, how they come together into our life right now, Delmar, do you feel like, do you love, do you have to love people the way they want to be loved? Whoa. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, let's, you, you should only care for people they want to be cared for. And how as a Christian, what happens if there are, things real things that you have um you differentiate on right so yeah. how do you hold both value and and testament to your belief oh, yeah. while also loving people oh man not to you know unpack a massive question no, but like no, no. just would love to hear more thoughts because i think you're leading us in a really cool direction there totally i think um to turn to the bible for a moment i think looking at the story of the gospel in really broad terms that Paul does a really unreal job of unpacking through the book of Romans, mm. but it really gives like this, like over this really quick overview of the whole old Testament and the picture that you get, of course, is of humanity fallen and God reaching out to humanity and giving through the Jews, giving them the law that goes, Hey, I want to be in right relationship with you. I need you guys to, abide by my standards because I am holy and that's not something that we can compromise on because that is yes. my nature and for you to exist in the way that I've created you to in the fullness of the flourishing that I want for you you need to meet me here and Paul talks about he he mentions explicitly and I don't remember the specific verse but he talks about how God overlooked a lot of the sins that the Israelites committed and did over the course of those hundreds of years mm. in anticipation of Christ. Mm. And so it is in Christ that we have, of course, all sin coming to die 
on that cross and Christ being the victor of it. And so right off the bat, we have this this picture of this super patient God who comes and meets us where we are in such a powerful over and over and over again way. Because in, in a sense, the whole Old Testament is just this repeating picture of God lifting yeah. up his people and his people seeing him and rising up to meet him in a sense and then turning away yeah. almost right away exactly. and falling exactly yeah. and falling right back into that same pattern of sin over and over and over and over again and that emphasizes the like the separation and just the the like the weight of sin and that weight of sin hangs heavier and heavier and heavier until you get to christ and he is the like the com the climax of this whole yeah. thing right so that being said i think the the picture that we get is a god who is first and foremost just un, unbelievably relational and he meets us where we are and he engages patiently and lovingly and kindly and he is not afraid to get his hands dirty in a sense but at the same time there's not a moment where his holiness is left to be in question and where right. he uh where he says oh actually the like the standards have changed and you're okay you don't need to meet this mm -hmm. that holiness is always uncompromising and it is what it is and taking that to the way that we interact with people today and whether we love somebody on their own terms i think like I think that we have to approach all these situations with love and with grace, but we can't just love people only on their terms. Mm. There has to be a greater understanding of love if we as Christians received the love of Christ ourselves and recognize that that love has cut through our own sins and has, by cutting through our own sins, made us better in Christ and brought us to greater fulfillment and flourishing and in a sense made us more like the humans not in a sense very really made us more like the humans that we've been created to be mm -hmm. then there is a very real sense where that cutting through those same things is an act of love that we right. show to other people and so in that way nobody can nobody has the ability to define love in any way that can contradict nobody can define it it's god's love right. is god's right that's that. no and I, I think I, I love what you're saying i really do and almost similar to, to how we started this kind of main point here of that like he's god is not just love he's he's more and so you can't take one attribute and make it the totalitarianistic view of god right. similarly with us when people say love me the way i want to be loved it's not just that there's actually like it's a loaded question a little bit sometimes mm. i'm not just wanting love i'm wanting acceptance and respect and you have to agree and, and I think what you're saying yeah. is, first of all, when Christ came, love became elevated. And there is there is like this, whoa, it is. Mm -hmm. And then in that, we can find ways to love one another while disagree. There's ways we mm -hmm. can even respect one another or honor one another. But maybe we choose not to uh, share the same value. And I even experienced that this week with some, with some guys coming to the church. I just got to have some great convos. And our doctrine was different. But my goodness, we had such great conversations. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. And they're incredible guys shifting gears a little bit shifting gears a little bit Delmar right on jumping into something a little more cultural this millennial moment, this millennial moment. <laughs> okay my favorite segment <laughs> of the show this millennial moment 
where we just take a moment and unpack some news for millennials. Sometimes we do Gen Zs, the Gen oh, Z right. reality, but today we're just doing uh, just doing millennials. Some I just and we've actually had a conversation about this, and that's why I wanted to actually bring it up, not just for not just for funds funsies. Uh, it was talking about millennial money, and I was looking at mm-hmm. some some Christmas gift things, and they said four. It said four seasons for. Th- or excuse me, four reasons, not seasons. He is the reason for the season, obviously. <laughs> uh, four reasons for thrift store gifts only this year, all wow. millennial money. Um, we've talked a little bit about like thrifting and fashion and some of those things. I wanted to just like dip in that because I don't think we've ever recorded it. And this is, Delmar's laughing right now because, well, I'm actually not 100% sure why you're laughing, but I think it's because I think fashion is weird. Right. Like I just I don't get it, and I'm not. I'm, clearly, if you've ever met me, you know it's like he doesn't get it. Dude, that's not true. Look <laughs> at your boots. <laughs> Thank you, Jackson. Young oh, bought nice. them for me. Um, like, what's up? Like, like, do we all enjoy going to Value Village to shop or or Sally Ann? Like, that that's stressful for me. I don't want. I'd rather online shop. Which, listen, we'll get into the ethics <laughs> of all of it. That's fine. I'm just saying, like. It feels like thrifting isn't thrifting. Tell me if I'm wrong for millennials, okay? Yeah. Is thrifting thrifting meaning I'm looking for a deal, I'm looking for like second hand or is thrifting kind of like Tofino or like <laughs> like when something was cool but it becomes a trend or a fad? Oh. Right? Man. Yeah, yeah. So like Blundstones. Yeah. Like a rich what what were these were like boots made for the outback in Australia and then we made them trendy despite we like maybe have never left the downtown core right <laughs> yeah. like i'm just i'm yes. teasing blundstones are useful is it kind of become that a little bit where it's oh, like where'd you get gosh. that like oh value village you're like where value village like, yeah yeah you know oh, what i'm saying definitely i i both for sure both <laughs> and i'm 100 percent with you i find i find shopping especially shopping at thrift stores stressful i can generally you don't seem like a shopper <laughs> i'm not a shopper for sure i like having if i do ever spend time shopping i really like having an, an idea of what it is that i want right and thrift shopping in my experience is the exact opposite it's like show me what you got and then you have to learn how to go through everything yeah and it is just a, it eats so much time and i don't get the thrill that some people get from it um, but both, 100% both. That's like, it, absolutely, it's a fad. It's like, it's a way to hang out, which I guess it's like people hang out going to the mall or whatever. And fair right, enough, I, right. I never really got it. Um, but yeah, dude. I feel affirmed. And right now, <laughs> oh, Thank you for that. Bless. No, absolutely. But like even, because here's another thing, like, and someone actually said this to me recently, like I'm the type of guy who would go to H&M and buy... I only go to the clearance section. I'm not even, not even, let me, like, hear me for a second. Not sales. Okay. Mm. The front shirt at, you know, when you walk in is 20% off, which we all know is a joke. <laughs> I love, don't you love deals that are like, buy four and get one 10% off? <laughs> love like, it. Yeah. You suck. That's not a deal. Um, I'm like, go straight to the clearance section. I'm looking for like double XLs that I can shrink in the wall. Like, I'm mm. like thinking cheap as possible, which is frugally minded. But deep down, I know, like, I'm buying cheap clothing. Mm. I'm going to buy probably more of it long term. Mm -hmm. And ethically, it's probably not well sourced. Mm. Like, let's just be super honest. So then when you go to a thrift store, I'm assuming you feel a little more ethically like I'm buying the second hand. I'm reusing. That's helpful. 
But if we're buying secondhand H and M clothing, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Nothing is. It, do we feel like there's just no dirt on our hands? Man, good question. I don't know. Because then another, because then a guy told me he was like, what he does, and I thought this was an interesting question, is he buys expensive clothing. Mm-hmm. But he, please hear my heart here. I've never liked that. I've always felt like as a pastor and someone on stage. I wanted to just like I never, like never wanted to like, flaunt. I just again mm. I just hate clothes and fashion. <laughs> like it's not my thing. Um, <laughs> and so like I just I for me I sorry what I guess what I'm trying to say is I didn't want to spend money on it, but they were saying like the best ethically sourced stuff is mm. actually quality stuff maybe potentially made in Canada, and so yeah you might be paying like fifty dollars for a a shirt but it's ethically sourced going to last you a lot longer and so i'm like literally posing the question to you and to others like if we like we want to be just as minded as millennials Mm -hmm. i like the idea of thrifting i'm sure it's to save money secondhand or i see like lots of our friends they'll do like garage sales like i like that stuff but i'm wondering like is the answer to actually buy like locally sourced expensive canadian made stuff and not be ashamed to wear something that's expensive because you know it went through the right thing. I don't know. Yeah. Help me, help me. <laughs> help me. Help others. Help me. Man, I mean, just like any ethical conversation, I think that there's just, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, right? Like thinking about um, what you said about thrift stores and buying a secondhand H&M shirt. Like on the one hand, positively, right? You have somebody who bought an H&M shirt. They wore it for however long they did. They wanted to get rid of it they instead of throwing it in the trash they gave it to second hand good starting move good you know what i mean great meal. got it um you give this thing a second life by finding it there and that's getting more use out of this thing that otherwise would just be taking up space in the landfill mm-hmm. that's a positive um how much does our now like now that we buy so much secondhand stuff, how much does that then kind of work as like a feedback loop to justify buying more things because we can then put them, instead of feeling bad about, about putting that? them into the landfill, we put them into a secondhand store? I don't know. That's obviously, I have no idea how to quantify that. We're um, down the, rab- the millennial rabbit hole right now. <laughs> but this, these are good. Like, this is a, that's a good, I didn't even think about that. I'm passing off so I can make more room. I think it's a fair... Do you need more room? Yeah. Yeah, such a good question. Um, speaking... So still speaking in terms of like... Uh, what do you call it? I guess... I actually don't know where I was taking that. But another consideration, of course, is... Okay, what what are the secondhand um, stores that we're buying from, right? Valley Village, a part of a big corporation. Don't really know very much about it. But I yeah. know that it is a for-profit business. Right. Don't know how ethically they manage their own stuff right don't know but in comparison to something like salvation army that is as and has historically been as like um outwardly doing stuff that is supporting the community around them that's good yeah Um, the win the women in need i like totally totally um saint saint vincent de paul yeah first place a prisoner can go they actually get a coupon i believe it's the saint vincent de paul you get like 50 bucks free Toast, yeah. Good points on all of that. By the way, I want to quickly thank our sponsors, H&M <laughs> and Valley Village. Uh, thanks so much for your donation. <laughs> oh, um, someone's listened long enough to hear that. that was worth it. Me too, me too. What about, what about, you mentioned this to me one time that was like a crazy cool thought and I never heard of it. And I was just teasing about fashion and how we do these up and downs of like 
Like this season, boots are 14 inches tall. And this, mm-hmm. two months later, you have to have the tiniest boots possible. And <laughs> But you mentioned, dude, this might have to get cut later. But like, you mentioned like, it's like actually called something. It's like moderate, like, or like, it's not like people are trying to look like they bought a value village. It's like, just, it's tr- almost like it's an effort to not try as hard. And to, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but you called it something. Now I thought, that's cool. I had never heard that before. It changed my perspective a little bit. Right. There's it was like a a fashion trend normcore. Is that what we were talking about? Yes, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. And how okay. it was like trying to look normal, basically. Right. And that was like alongside with the whole dad bod thing where people were yes. like we're sick of muscles and all of the all of the sort of like va- vapid surface level stuff that seems to come along with that. We just want something that's normal that feels more significant. Even to like and it was even like I think trying to up uplift and affirm like both men and women that it wasn't like women have to look this way mm. to this mm-hmm. magazine cover mm-hmm. and men have to look this way and wear this to this magazine cover mm-hmm. but there was actually a little more of like the pendulum had swung so much that finally it was sitting in the middle and it was like yes like cargo pants <laughs> like what like converse and a button-up yeah. can go for anyone at any point at any time yeah. and that's cool and that's okay yeah. i just found that like actually like encouraging when you said that I was oh okay like it's about actually fighting against what society would say you have to look like i mean it can like, not like a big like we're fighting but, like <laughs> no we're settled and we're okay here and we're yeah i mean of course if we're talking about fashion the funny thing is like on the one hand, it's really cool to see something like that come up because it does feel like, of course, this comes out of a widespread sensibility that is sick and tired of these things that's, that I think are we can all agree are very reasonable to be sick and tired of and that we would like to see less of. Mm-hmm. Um, but simultaneously, it's still a trend. You know what I mean? And right. so then you go, right, the like the like the amount of money that is going to be made based off of this the amount of people who are going to feel like they should dress up in this particular way because then they'll be cooler or be more socially acceptable or whatever that that still is going to happen because it is a trend and so you get those positive elements of it that i think you know in a certain sense those are i think some of the best things that can or that have come from trends that i can think of in recent memory um but that doesn't take away from the fact that it is still what it is, which is a trend. Right. You know? Right. I, yeah. And I think, like, I think for me, when I think fashion and my heart goes heavy, it's because I think about, like, I'm thinking about, like, like you've, I'm sure you've heard the re- most recent news of the Balenciaga incidents. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what to call them. Obviously, like, they had, for those who don't know, and I may get this wrong, but basically Balenciaga was doing a, a a, a big push a big ad and they had children dressed up and and just well I, I don't know if it was kids clothes necessarily but there was definitely like some sexual innuendo there was sex toys is that right it was like you know like snm thank you like, yeah. um there was like all those pieces contributing and you have little kids and obviously huge uproar f- for for all fairness right yeah. doing that um and i think there was a lot of call out on then celebrities being like when you cancel etc which that's further than the debate i want to get to mm. really what i wanted to say just with referencing that point is not to demonize a company but just to be honest about fashion and how far it's come mm. and i think just as christians and creatives i will say we mm. have a great creative church we live in a very culturally um can i just sound like a dad again we, we got a cool city like it's it's a cool we live in a culturally cool city I love that, yeah and there's uh there is trends 
like the like I don't you don't hear the term hipster vibe anymore as much because it's just the norm. Um, True. But I think recognizing, and this is maybe is kind of where we land here, as a declaration of who you are, as a statement as a young adult in a very cool city. Um, what you wear, I do think matters. I really do mean that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want you to go home live in fear with what's in your closet. <laughs> um, but I think just to have good, mindful, and meaningful conversation with yourself mm. about what you're wearing and why. Yeah. And allowing God to speak in that. Not, again, please don't, I'm not asking you to like judge yourself in this moment. Because when I joke about fashion, it's actually more of like, it is like this thing in my heart that I get confused by. Because I don't want to like overspend or underspend. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put people in a bad place. I don't want to contribute to this. It's just, it is actually a question to ask. And I do think it's worth asking. And I do think it's worth discussing. And again, I, I think for me, I've always just, if I could wear flip-flops, <laughs> like board shorts and a tank top, I would every day. Respect. But we can't, you know. Yeah, and yeah. So like how much are you okay to spend on this and that? And maybe maybe there's just some, some more questions and ethics to be had about it. So I bring all that up to say it's a worthy question, isn't it? Yeah. I think it is. And as you're Christmas shopping this, this year, like ethically asking yourself what you're buying, I think it's a fair question. And I think you don't have to hate yourself for everything you buy this year but yeah. i do think it's a good question to ask as you truly try and i think just display christ in all that you do yeah that's so good man mm-hmm. well we love you guys so much um delmar thanks for chatting with me thanks for contributing thanks for being here i would love for you to pray over every person who listened sure. to our podcast sure, sure. heavenly father thank you so much for this for this opportunity to just chat about stuff Lord God, we just pray today that everybody who's listening, would you bring them peace? Would you bring them your kindness, your mercy, your love, Lord God? And would you speak to them about the things that we've talked about, Lord? Continuing on from this series on fear, Lord, we pray that you would speak to them about that intimacy that they're cultivating with you. We pray that you would lead them into good and healthy and sweet practices of communing with you, Lord God. We pray that you would gift them, Lord, not only a greater sense of a greater understanding of how you want to meet with them and what you want them to do and how you want them to obey you in these terms but god we pray that you would just give them give them the riches heavenly father that you have for them in the name of your son jesus christ when it comes to fashion lord we pray that you would especially bring peace to the people who wrestle with this stuff the most We pray, Lord God, that you would just show them how much you love them, how much you care for them, how much their identity is hidden in you, first and foremost, above everything, and how clothing comes as a secondary thing. And I pray that you would just lead them in even just those moments in the morning when they're deciding what to wear, that you would comfort them, that you would remind them that they're your child, and that you would guide them into healthy thinking and healthy conversations with themselves, with their friends, with their family, with whomever. Healthy conversations about what clothing is, what it means to us, how it participates in our understanding of ourselves and our own identity. We pray that you would just guide those conversations, Lord. So we thank you, God, for being for us. We thank you for being almighty. We thank you for being powerful to move in our lives. And we thank you, God, for being exactly who you are. In your holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, we hope you enjoyed today. Hope you enjoyed your beverage, the message. If you have questions, comments, if you have thoughts on anything we've talked about today, DM us on Instagram. We love you guys so much. We'll see you Sunday night for more Coastline Church. Bye. Talk to you soon.